Welcome to Mini Movies, short summaries of the most popular movies where you guess the name and Rotten Tomato rating at the end of the podcast. This mini movie is a classic drama with Morgan Freeman so you know it's going to be good. It shows the experience of a former banker unjustly imprisoned for a crime he did not commit and the ways different men cope with the harsh reality of prison. Spoilers will be included, now. Let's get this mini-movie started. Andy Dufresne is a main banker convicted of killing his wife and her lover who was also a pro-golfer. He is sentenced to two consecutive life sentences by the Shawshank prison, which has a notoriously harsh prison. Andy claims innocence but his cold, calculated demeanor leads to the belief that he was guilty. Ellis Boyd Redding, also known as Red, is currently being interviewed for parole. He has spent 20 years in Shawshank prison for the murder of his wife. Red is denied parole despite his best efforts. This doesn't bother him too much. Red is then made the local smuggler and can get inmates whatever they want. All prisoners are alerted by an alarm to any new arrivals. Red and his friends wager on which new fish will suffer a nervous breakdown in his first night in prison. Red bets big on Andy. Haywood wins the bet after a newly arrived overweight inmate, nicknamed Fat Ass, breaks down. The celebrations are short-lived as Byron Hadley, the chief guard, brutally beats Haywood for not being quiet when he asked. Andy, however, remains composed and steadfast. The inmates learned the next morning that Fat Ass had died in the hospital due to the fact the prison doctor was out of town for the night. Andy approached Red about a month later after hearing of Red's talent for finding things. Red asks Andy to help him find a rock hammer. He claims it is essential for his hobbies of rock collecting and rock sculpting. Andy laughs when Red asks him a few questions about Andy's intentions. Red agrees to place an order for Andy and warns him about the sisters, a group that sexually assaults prisoners. Boggs is their leader. Andy has a crush. Red likes Andy from the beginning, even though other prisoners think Andy is a really cold fish. Red believes Andy is planning to use the hammer for escape, but once he sees its actual size, Red understands why Andy laughs and giggles, leaving aside the possibility that Andy could use it to free himself from prison. Andy spent the first two years in prison working in the prison laundry and fighting bogs. Andy fights the sisters every time and resists them all, but he is often beaten up and raped. He keeps silent about it. Red offers Andy and some of their mutual friends a job to tar the roof of a prison building. This gives everyone a break from the normal. Andy hears Hadley complain about the taxes he will have to pay for his inheritance. Andy, a banker by trade, tells Hadley how he can protect his money from the IRS and make it a one-time gift to his wife. Hadley offers him to help fill out the paperwork for some cold beer for his fellow inmates. Hadley initially threatens Andy to throw him off the roof. But, He eventually agrees to help Hadley with the paperwork and provide cold beer for the inmates working on the job. 
Red comments suggest that Andy may have orchestrated the privilege to gain favor with prison guards as well as his fellow inmates. However, Hadley believes Andy did it to feel normal again. Andy is watching a movie and approaches Red with an unusual request. He wants Rita Hayworth to perform the role. Red is shocked by the request but agrees to place it. Andy is again confronted by the sisters as he leaves the theater. He is able to talk his way out, but he is brutally beaten within an inch of his body, and he is sent to the hospital for a month. Boggs is left alone for a week while he suffers the beating. He finds Hadley and his men in his cell when he returns to his cell. He is left with severe injuries and cannot walk or eat solid foods for the rest of his life. He is then transferred to state prison. Andy is released by the sisters and is never bothered again. Andy finds some rocks to work with and a huge poster of Rita Hayworth. These are presents from Red and his friends. Warden Samuel Norton hears from Andy about Hadley's help and conducts a surprise cell inspection in order to determine Andy's size. Andy is reading his holy Bible to him and they discuss their favorite verses, while the guards turn the cell upside down looking for illegal possessions. The warden is satisfied with their conversation and almost forgets about Andy getting his Bible back. Andy is encouraged to continue reading the Bible by him, stating that salvation lies within. Andy later learns that Brooks Hatlin, an aging prison inmate, will be his new partner in the prison library. Andy's transfer is revealed when a prison guard asks Andy for financial advice. Andy sets up a desk at his station and begins to provide financial advice to prison guards. He also assists them with income tax returns. Andy sees an opportunity for the prison library to be expanded. He starts by asking Maine State Senator for funds. Every week, he writes letters. Andy's financial support is so valued that even other prison guards visit Andy when they are visiting for inter-prison baseball matches. Andy is even a warden and prepares his tax returns. Brooks threatens Haywood to kill him to get out of jail. Andy manages to calm him down. Red empathizes with Brooks's behavior when he is discussing it with his friends. Brooks has clearly become institutionalized after 50 years at Shawshank. Brooks has been conditioned to remain a prisoner and cannot adapt to the world outside. Red comments, these walls make you laugh. You hate them at first, but then you become used to them. As you grow older, you become dependent on them. Brooks is released and moved into a halfway house. Brooks is also offered a job in a supermarket, which he dislikes. He finds it difficult to adjust to the outside world and commits suicide. The message Brooks was here was carved on a wooden beam. Andy is now receiving $200 from the state after six years of writing letters. Although the state senate believes this will be enough for Andy to stop his letter-writing campaign it is not. Andy persists in his efforts and continues to write. Andy discovers a copy of Mozart's The Marriage of Figaro amongst the records when the donations of old records and books arrive at the warden's office. 
The guard who is assigned to the warden's offices locks him in the bathroom, and he plays the record through the prison's PA system. The music soon captures the attention of the entire prison. The voices of the women sung red made everyone feel at ease, even if it was only for a moment. Norton, furious at Andy's defiance, orders Andy to turn the volume up outside the office. Andy responds by raising the volume. Hadley is ordered by the warden to enter the office. Andy is immediately sent to solitary confinement, for a period of two weeks. He tells his friends when he is free that the stretch was the most difficult he has ever done in prison. It was because he had Mozart's Figaro in his head, which provided comfort. He talks about how hope can be a powerful thing in prison and how it can sustain them, even though he is told by other prisoners that this seems unlikely. Andy strongly disagrees with Red, who claims that hope in Shawshank is dangerous and suggests to Andy that he should learn to live without it. Andy suggests that Brooks did exactly this and Red leaves the table furious. Red is sent to a parole hearing shortly after and soon realizes that he has been in prison for over 30 years. Red uses exactly the same words as he did 10 years ago, but he does so with zero enthusiasm. His parole is again rejected. Andy offers him a harmonica in honor of his 30 years. Red responds by giving Andy a huge Marilyn Monroe poster to mark his 10 years. Four years after the Mozart incident the state senator finally concludes that Andy will not be able to be evicted with another check. They give him $500 per year for his library. Andy makes smart use of it and deals with charities and book clubs to build the best prison library in the country. He names it Brooks. Andy uses the expanded library to mentor inmates who wish to get their high school diplomas and find a job. Warden Norton, however, reaps the benefits of Andy's experience and creates a plan where he places prison inmates on public projects. He wins this scheme by outbidding other contractors. Prisoners are low-cost labor. He will sometimes allow other contractors to score the projects, as long as they are willing to pay a bribe. Andy launders the money through the creation of several accounts in various banks and investments using the fake identity Randall Stevens. This man, who exists only on paper, was created by Andy through his knowledge of the system as well as mail-ordered forms. Randall Stevens has a driving license, social security number and birth certificate. If anyone is ever interested in the scheme, they will pursue a man who exists only on paper. Andy shared the details with Red, noting he had to go to prison to learn how a crook. Tommy, a young prisoner from 1965, comes to Shawshank in order to serve his sentence for breaking and entering. Tommy is charismatic, easygoing and popular with the inmates. He is also a friend to Andy and Red. Tommy tells Andy that he has been in prison since he was 13 years old. Andy suggests that Tommy consider a different job than theft, as he is not very good at it. Tommy is moved by the suggestion and asks Andy for help in earning his high school equivalent diploma. Tommy is a great student but he still gets frustrated when he takes his exam. 
He crumples it up and throws it away. Andy takes it out and sends it to Andy. Tommy questions Red about Andy's situation, which Red answers. Tommy is visibly upset after hearing the story. Red and Andy then hear the story about a former prison cellmate who, with his lover, boasted of killing a pro golfer at the country club where he worked. The banker husband of the woman had been sent to prison for these murders. Andy is full of hope and meets the warden to discuss his new information. He expects Norton to assist him in obtaining a new trial with Tommy as a witness. Andy was not expecting a reaction from Norton. Andy insists that he will not reveal the money laundering schemes he created for Norton over the years. The warden is furious and orders Andy to be in isolation for one month. They discuss the sentence and mention that it is the longest they have ever spent in solitary. Andy has spent nearly 20 years in prison for an offense he didn't commit. Tommy is sent a letter by the Board of Education informing him that he passed the exam and has a high school diploma. Andy smiles a bit when he hears the news from a guard in his cell. Tommy is later taken outside to meet with the warden. Warden Norton questions Tommy about the truth of the story he told Andy and asks if he is willing to testify for Andy. Tommy enthusiastically accepts. He smiles at the warden before nodding to Hadley for him to kill him. Andy is in solitary when the warden comes to visit him. He tells him Tommy tried to escape and that Hadley was forced to kill him. Andy refuses to believe that story. He tells Norton that everything has stopped and that he won't work for him anymore. Andy is threatened by the warden to close down the library and burn all books. He will also be moved to another cell in the prison, with the most serious criminals, if he stops working for him. The warden then orders Andy to spend another month alone to reflect on the situation. Andy comes out of solitary and Red has a conversation with him. Andy discusses his wife, how much he loved and the guilt he feels for her death. The conversation turns to his future projects if he is ever released from prison. He speaks about Zihuatanejo on the Pacific coast of Mexico, where he would like to live and run a hotel. Red asks him if he would join him. Red replies that he doesn't think he is as far gone as Brooks. Andy then criticizes Andy for allowing his mind to be messed with like that. He says it will only kill him. Andy agrees and is about ready to leave when Red asks him if he has any information on the Buxton area of Maine. Red is then told about a hayfield with a large oak tree that sits at the end of a wall. Red asks Red for a promise that if he is ever paroled, he would seek out the oak tree to retrieve something hidden among the stones. Red refuses to tell him what it is. Red makes promises but is concerned about his friend's mental state. When Andy asks Haywood for a six-foot rope, Red's worries get worse. Red fears Andy is nearing suicide and may have reached his breaking point. Norton calls Andy and asks him to shine his shoes. He then takes his suit to dry clean, before he retires for the night. Andy is released from prison and returned to his cell. The guards turned the lights off for the night. 
Red said that it was the longest night in his life. Andy isn't answering the morning phone and isn't standing in front of his cell as he does every morning. Andy is yelled at by the guard and he walks to his cell expecting to see a severely sick or dead Andy. Norton is alarmed when he discovers Andy's shoes in Norton's shoebox. The alarm goes off, announcing that a missing inmate has been reported. Norton rushes to Andy's empty cell, demanding an explanation. Hadley calls Red to explain, but Red insists that he doesn't know anything about Andy's plans. Norton begins throwing Andy's sculpted stones around the cell, becoming more hostile and paranoid. He throws one at Andy's Raquel Welch poster, in the same spot that was previously occupied, Marilyn Monroe and Rita Hayworth, and the rock goes through the poster. Norton tore the poster off the wall, revealing a tunnel that is just wide enough for a man. Red narrates the story in flashback sequences. It's revealed that Andy tried to carve his name onto his cell wall many years ago when a piece of it fell off. Andy was a geologist and realized that the material used to build the wall could be used to make a hole for escape. Andy ordered the huge poster of Rita Hayworth as a way to conceal the hole. Andy spent many years digging with his rock hammer at night, hiding dirt in his pockets. He would then take the dirt to the courtyard on his morning walks. Andy decided to leave after Tommy was killed. Andy wore Norton's clothes under his own to the cell during the storm. He was able to catch a lucky break because no one noticed his shiny black shoes, even red. He took his papers, many belongings and Norton's clothes with him. Then he tied the rope to his own feet and made his escape through his hole. He found the sewer mainline in a gap between two prison walls. He used a rock to hit the sewer line several times with lightning strikes, eventually breaking it open. Andy was able to crawl through 500 feet of raw sewage and emerge in a stream outside the walls. His prison clothes, a bar of bar soap and an old-fashioned rock hammer were later discovered by a search team. Red and the Warden discover Andy's brilliant escape. Andy then walks into Maine National Bank in Portland where Norton's money was. He assumed the identity of Randall Stevens and brought all necessary documentation. He then closed the account and walked out with a cashier's check. He asks them to send him a package before he goes. He visits nearly a dozen more local banks and ends up with $370,000. Warden Norton's accounting records are included in the package, which is delivered directly to the Portland Daily Bugle newspaper with Andy's written confessions. Shortly thereafter, Shawshank Prison was stormed by the Maine State Police along with several reporters to report on the unfolding story. The state police arrest Hadley for Tommy's murder and take him away. Red said that he had heard rumors about Hadley crying in the backseat of the police squad car, while he was being taken. As Hadley was being taken away by a police squad car, the local district attorney entered the prison along with several policemen who had a warrant for Norton's arrest. Warden Norton finally opened his safe in his office. Instead of his books, he found the Bible that he had given Andy, 
with a note to him stating that he was correct and that salvation did lie within. Norton opens the book of Exodus and discovers that all the pages were cut out with a rock hammer. Norton returns to his desk and, as police pound on his front door, pulls out a small revolver. He then kills himself by shooting himself in his head. Red said that he was curious what the warden thought about Norton before he pulled the trigger. Red soon receives a postcard with nothing on it from Fort Hancock, Texas. Red interprets it as a sign Andy made it to Mexico. Red and his friends spend a lot of time discussing Andy's adventures, with a few embellishments. But Red is afflicted by the loss of his friend. Red speaks to the parole board in 1967 about Red's parole hearing. He explains to them that rehabilitated is a fabricated word they invented to justify their job. The parole board hears Red explain how he regrets the past actions, not that he is in jail, but because he knows how wrong they were. He concludes by saying that he must live with the past for the rest of his life. Finally, he is granted parole. Brooks's message is visible in the beam, and he goes to live with Brooks. He often walks past a pawn shop with several guns in its window. He contemplates at times trying to escape prison, feeling like he doesn't have a life outside of the prison where he spent most of his adult years. But he recalls Andy's promise to him. Then he reveals that he wasn't looking at the guns, but at the compasses underneath them and bought one. Red follows Andy's lead, hitchhiking from Buxton to find the stone wall Andy described. Andy stated that there was a large, black stone. There is a small black box under the surface containing cash and directions to Zihuatanejo. He doesn't identify the city, but he does say that it contains a lot of money. Andy also stated that he needed someone who can get the things to help him with a project. Red is suddenly able to see the power of hope and feels exhilarated at the emotions inside him. Red leaves the halfway house after he has carved a message into the wood beam that reads, Brooks was here, so was Red. Red leaves the halfway house, unconcerned of the consequences since no one would look for an old crook like him. Red travels by bus to Fort Hancock where he crosses into Mexico. Andy and Red finally get to reunite on the Pacific coast. That's the end of our mini-movie. Could you guess the name of the movie? We'll give you a little time. The movie is the classic film released in 1994, The Shawshank Redemption. Critics gave it a 91% tomato score, 98% by the audience and many movies rates its 9.5 out of 10 doggy treats. If you enjoyed this mini-movie, you can support it by watching The Shawshank Redemption and following our podcast or other social media. We'll see you in the next mini-movie. Thank you.